0: Kako everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Moana Nui podcast. Today we sit down with Greg Burnham. Greg is an author, writer, editor, publisher, and history buff. Greg has been writing professionally for nearly a decade. He makes up one half of the Tuskegee Airs duo. With projects like the Search for Sadika comic book series, Broken Glass, and Grandpa's Shoes Children's Books under his belt. Greg recently made the transition to full-time writer and publisher. He's currently working on a bevy of projects, as well as the beloved Tuskegee Airs comic book series with his partner Marcus Williams. You can find Greg on Facebook at The Search for Sotica and Tuskegee Airs. He's also on Instagram at Greg underscore Burnham 7 and via his websites platforml 7com and tuskegeeairs.com. You'll be able to find all of these links in the show notes. Hey, what's going on, Greg? How are you?
1: I'm good. I am not inebriated. I'm just very sleepy. And not sleepy because I'm lazy, but sleepy because it's been a long day. But I'm going to do this. I'm excited about this and I'm so glad that you asked me to come on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So um, for those who um, may not be familiar with Greg's work, you can see a little bit of his work here. This is the project that he's currently um, working on and is live on Kickstarter. We will post the link into the comments if you want to go and check that out. But while we're doing that, we are going to talk a little bit about why this story is so cool. We'll talk about some lost and forgotten tales about history, which is one of the things I really love and is, as you all know, a big part of my mission with the Moanawee podcast to celebrate the accomplishments of indigenous peoples and to lift their voices and tell you folks some stories that you may know about. So, um, Greg, let's start off with the setting for Search for Sadaka. It takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1920s. What makes that place so special, and what is Black Wall Street? Uh,
1: So uh, yeah, it's 1921. Black Wall Street is a district in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in which, like we saw, uh, one of the biggest booms as far as black uh, ownership, black black business, and um, it just showed that you know we could, as a people, you know, post you know slavery, we could still pull ourselves up and you know really. Make a, a huge mark in the world, and, and there were other uh, cities throughout the United States that kind of did the did, did something similar. I do know that with you know Tulsa, there were people that were coming from all over because they felt like there was a good chance for them to actually thrive there.
0: Right, right, which is you know, like really, really important. I mean, because we're talking about a black community of black businesses. I mean, and they're calling it Wall Street for a reason, right? This is a community that is circulating resources amongst themselves, taking care of one another. You know, everyone is playing their role. You know, you have farmers, you have bank owners, you have, you know, all of these people who, you know, they focus on their thing. So we have the search for Sadika and you did the origin story of issue two, which you launched on Kickstarter last year. One of my favorite pages was the conversation (laughs) between Sadika and her father. You know, when she gets in trouble... (laughs) And she gets taken to her dad's office and it's like, oh, snap. But he he talks about, you know, he's talked about some of the businesses in the community and he's a, he's a successful banker. And like, he's talking about some of those businesses that have been shut down. Can you tell us a little bit more about how, like why you chose um, this particular setting and how you like incorporated those historical facts into your storyline?
1: Thank you for saying that. That makes me feel good because I like that was my favorite. Part Uh, Like that's where after I read it a few times, I was like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, so that was kind of like a microcosm of what's happened over and over in this country. And I'm sure this is the country that I know most about, but I'm sure it's happened in other places as well like we see it, it, it's kind of like a form of gentrification where they're coming in and uh, they devalue your property in a lot of instances. Sometimes they just flat out destroy it, but um, it's, you know, they devalue the property, then they come in and buy it up. So one of the things, and You know, my inspiration for doing this story, it came in a dream after I watched this uh, documentary and I always talk about it and I gotta remember the name. There's a lot of documentaries, but um, this one really detailed, like explained how, you know, the process went. So they go in, they kill people, capture people, some people flee and get away, and then they go into the houses and they would take everything. Cause there like a lot of this massacre happened based off of jealousy. So they went in, they pillaged, took anything of value. They were taking so much stuff because the people in the, the district had, you know, better things than a lot of the white people had. So, you know, they took everything and then they burnt it down. And most people didn't, they wouldn't give them, you know, the insurance wouldn't cover. They said it was a a riot. And so the insurance wouldn't cover the lost property, the damaged property. So a lot of people had no way, like that was their life. They had put in, you know, their, their lives into that. They didn't have anything else. So people ended up, you know, the city ended up going back in and taking control of the land after a while. So that was like the fast, super duper sped up version of gentrification but um i just wanted to put that in because so often we you know and i try to like create you know fictional people that were actually affected because so often we look at it and we say okay this happened almost a hundred years ago and these people lost their land, but we never look and like go deep into looking to see who these people were and what they, right. you know, like. So there is like an amazing restaurant, you know, we all can relate to one of our favorite restaurants, right? Just imagine if it got put out of business because somebody, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. that, that, like, all of that was like so inspirational to me. Usually the books that we do are like all ages, so they yeah. can be, you know, little kids, but they're still, you know, written to where adults can enjoy or whatever so it's kind of like just exposing people to these processes so they can see them and they can recognize it and understand when it's happening because it's still happening to this day
0: especially in communities of color that's you know it's not just in one city or town it's found in wherever people Atlanta, of color are
1: new york yeah. everywhere
0: hawaii dc <laughs> baltimore <laughs> You know, like all of these places where it's still happening. And the, and I absolutely love that you said, like, this is, this is like the livelihood of the community. This is where, you know, relationships are formed. You know, um, these small businesses, these families and people who really, like, they know each other, right? Like, they know who belongs in the community and you know, who doesn't belong in the community. And, you know, a lot of the issues as far as, like, police violence, you know, and those kinds of things are because you bring in people to police those areas who don't know people and if you don't know people you're gonna assume the worst especially if you are a westerner with a european colonization type of mind so everybody's the enemy who's scary So, um, yeah, I absolutely love that you brought this into the story because it serves as, you know, as both a history lesson, but also a fun story that you're like, you're going along on this journey with Sadika and her family. Let's talk a little bit about Sadika. So, um, first of all, number one, I love this girl. Like when I was reading the first, just the first couple pages, there's so many times I had to stop and be like, Greg is like in my head right now. Like, this is my girl. Like. <laughs> She's like very studious in school, right? Like she's focused on her studies. She's strong. She's a protector. Like she's no nonsense. Like you're not going to mess around with her. You know what I mean? And she's protecting her cousin. And I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, this is like how I was with my little sister, you know? Well, a lot of um, like male writers tend to write male characters. How did you get the, um, the inspiration and perspective on creating a female character?
1: Um, so this particular instance, like I literally had a dream about a young lady who escaped the rubble of Black Wall Street. So it wasn't that hard. So like with uh, Tuskegee Airs, we have like five main characters. Two of them are young ladies. So I, I have a daughter, I have a stepdaughter, like, you know, so, and I spent tons of time with them growing up. Uh Now they don't, you know, they're older now. So it's, right. it's not, you know, you don't have all that time. So just understanding them and under like, understanding the temperament, I felt like it was something that I I needed to do. I don't, it's weird because it's not the kind of thing where it's like, okay, this needs to be a girl. It's just kind of what flows, what, what yeah. feels good, right? So, like, with Tuskegee Airs, Ayana, who's the leader of the team, she, of course, is a young lady. That just naturally came when me and Marcus were coming up with these characters. So I I don't ever want to be like pandering. But then I also understand that there's like a lot of weight attached to writing a a young female hero. Because there's so many, you know, I mean, we know comics is kind of male driven. There's Mm -hmm. so many people that are writing the female, (laughs) like female character. I'm trying to say this in a nice way. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of people that are doing, you know, that do these characters. And they like, you can look at the clothes that they're wearing you can look at you know the body positions and, and you can just be like come on, man. Very
0: sexual and yeah yeah like, yeah and then
1: the writing you know a lot of times doesn't go more like they're written as object in a lot of a lot of stuff yeah. instead of like a true breathing living person when i write characters i try my best it, it's i don't know i used to think i was crazy as a kid but now i think it's ter- turning out pretty cool but it's like i get inside of the characters inside of the character's head, you know what I'm saying? So like, I know what kind of, you know, what, what food they like and what type of things they would do and they wouldn't do. And I just wanted to make sure that I was able to represent her as a real character, not not a linear character, but someone, you know, who's a person.
0: <laughs> yes, well, I think you did a, a, a great job um, developing this character, even if it's just the, the origin story. And you're definitely headed in the right direction, for sure, because, you know, I've done surveys to women and like because obviously i'm gonna write about women that's you know it's because i'm oh, but um like i've asked them you know like what are some stereotypes that like frustrate you about, um storylines that involve women right and it's basically what you said you know like only visualizing them as an object a thing for the pleasure of men and not understanding like the actual real life situations that women go through and understanding you know empathizing with their perspective you know and those things so i think it did a really good job with Sarka. So ladies, if you have not yet heard of this project, you should definitely be checking it out. You're going to love it. I love her. She's like my spirit animal. So yeah. And then I especially like there was one part of the story where, um, you know, her father was talking about fighting against bullies who are trying to destroy the businesses. And Sarika was like, yes, well, you understand. Like my, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about. He's like, hold on, young lady.
1: <laughs> hey, you, no, I and I've had that um with you know my daughter and my stepdaughter. And when I say stepdaughter, I'm saying that with, you know, love and affection. Yeah. But I've had that where it's like you're trying to teach them logic and they're both like smart, like super duper smart. And so they end up turning that logic on you and being like, Okay, well, since you understand, then you should understand this too. And I'm like, oh, you're right kid <laughs> you know so uh, I thought that was fun that was that was fun to write The whole thing was fun yeah the whole thing was just it was fun to write and I think that's the best part like when you're doing this is that part doesn't seem like work all the other like the ancillary stuff seems like work but when you're just sitting down and just you know coming up with this stuff that's the fun part
0: for sure I was I mean I was having fun reading it so there's a couple of times I have to go back I'm like okay yeah let's let's learn more about this. Um, and just paying attention to, like, all the details. I really like your artist, Shannon Sapenter? Sapenter, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's
1: um, art of S as in Sam, V as in Victor, S as in Sam on, uh what's that thing Instagram. He's awesome. And he's a really, really awesome dude, too.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. I love his art style and just everything about it. And, of course, Marcus is always with amazing covers. Cool. Yeah, so that's
1: uh, one of my things. That I make, like, because I have Marcus, so it's like I can always get concepts and kind of have him build certain things out, so It's like, just so I can see how it looks. So yeah, he's val- very valuable to have on, you know, on my team.
0: So in the search for Sotica, something happened to her. I'm not gonna do spoiler alert, but um, she is gonna go on an, an adventure in search of a mythical ancestor. Is, is I believe is how you put it. Who was the who's the inspiration? How did you find out about this mythical ancestor and what kinds of research did you do?
1: Um, so, you know, the uh, Queen Calafia, which mm-hmm. is, it's a um, fictional tale. Uh, and I had to put it here because I always forget how to pronounce it. But um, in English, it's the Adventures of Esplendian, And so this is like a, a woman, a black woman who had like an army of all women. I don't even know anymore, but some people say that uh, it's like the inspiration for Wonder Woman came from this because it was like an army of you know an all uh, female army. There was like griffins that you know like were would attack from the sky that was rolling with them. And so um, the, this guy wrote a novel about it, uh, and it's called, like I said, The Adventures of Esplendian. Um, and it was like fifteen ten, I believe, was when it was written. And so, um, but anyways, she ended up coming, to, you know, controlling an island of, you know, called California, um, which some people say was our California. Mm -hmm. So that's where it came from. And I'm, uh, so I was a history major. I'm always like learning. Cause it's like, I learned, you know, a long time ago, you'll think, you know, all this stuff and then somebody will knock over something and then you're like, you have your whole uh, perspective change. So what I was doing, um, for a different project that I wanted to do at the time, I was, uh, looking at all these different pieces of, evidence that showed how many people were here before Christopher Columbus and... Basically, we settled on everybody was here before Christopher Columbus. <laughs> uh, you know, the the Northern Europeans, you know, the Vikings, they were here. Africans came from both sides, Polynesians, Chinese. Like, everybody was here, and Christopher Columbus was the last one. So I had learned about, the you know, the currents off of the West Coast of Africa that bring you directly to the Caribbean. It's also no secret that 1492 happened to be the year that 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 the Europeans gained control of Spain. And that's the same exact year that they set sail for the new world. Uh, They teach us in school that everybody thought the world was flat. That's a lie. There's probably more people today that think the world is flat It was already pretty much common knowledge that the world was not flat. I always contend they say he was looking for a faster way to India. I think that's a lie, too. I always contend that they knew exactly where they were going and they had help. Two of the ships were owned by Moors who Mm -hmm. had been in control of Spain. So I, I always contend that when they inherited these routes, when they gained control of the country so with that said that just opens up and that's what i try to do like in these books tuskegee airs and Sadaka. i'm not gonna just give away a whole lot of uh, information, but for people that really want it, there are going to be things that you can go research that can kind of open up these little portals. And that's how I always learned. Like I'd have like an OG, somebody give me like one fact and then I go, you know, <laughs> searching forever back before they had things like the internet and all that good stuff. When I did, you know, I found out about my the um, Mali, what's his name, Abu Bakr, who took Two hundred and fifty ships to, you know, on this this route. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, on that route. Like, I want I want to say it was like eight hundred A.D. in the eight hundreds. I already mm-hmm. took like two hundred and fifty ships, sent them, and never came back you start seeing all these different things, these Omeg heads and all this yeah. stuff. They found all these African bones and all this stuff in South America. So, I, you know, and I don't want to talk forever on that one question, but basically it's like you get all this information to know that we were here, everybody was here. Definitely. And and then when I was researching, you know, for Sodica, because there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen uh, with the Grand Canyon and yeah. other stuff, and you know, you start researching and finding out, like, did have you ever heard about in the 1930s, there was a guy he reported in the newspaper that there were Egyptian artifacts found in the Grand Canyon. Um, I didn't
0: know, but that would not surprise me one bit.
1: Then they, like, they rolled it back and I, I think now they say that they were Chinese. Anyway, you want to cut it, you know, it's just more evidence, you know, of all these people that were here. I just thought it was cool to add, you know, and speak about some of those things and then, you know, it's fiction, but, you know, there's some real things that are built into the story, like some of the towns that actually, like Black people actually settled that fleed slavery and, you know, were going to settle. So real cool stuff. Uh, I feel like it'll just open up. You know what it is? We spend so much of our time and, and it's not really our fault because this is what we're forced to do. So we always talk to, think about all these other people's Greece and Rome and all these other people's mythologies and other stuff. And we never even focus on the stuff that's right here, you know, yeah. and it we, I know why they didn't teach us because it would have been empowerment, right? <laughs> you know, and so they don't need you empowered, but there's all kinds of cool stuff that we can talk about. So I'm gonna talk about it,
0: yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, in school, I remember like I hated history, and it's because it was like history that didn't relate to me. I'm, I'm like, what's American history? What, like, who are these people? They, I, I don't, why, why do I have to know about them? You know, like, I want to, what about my history? Like, my. Hawaiian history, they didn't really teach that in my school, at least specifically where I was. I'm kind of like you, like I hear different facts and then I go on my little squirrel, you know, like woo! And then I go down my wormhole and it's just crazy because there's so much information out there if you, number one, put in the effort to go and look I actually kind of miss old, like, before the internet when you had, like, encyclopedias and books that, you know, you open all up. <laughs> I get lost yeah. in that, like,
1: forever. I was just going to say, it's just something different. Like, it almost feels like you're you're earning it. Whereas now, all I have to do is go Google, Google anything I want, and some stuff's going to cover. up.
0: Yeah. And so, like, I mean, especially on the internet, there's a lot of, you know, some information is true, some is not. And so I feel like it's still important to actually seek out other sources that are Mm -hmm. more analog, right? Like actual books and and things like that. Like you look in my library, my study, I have like all these books in Hawaii because, and specifically ones that are not written. Well, there are some because some are good, but I look more for actual non-Western authors. Like, I want to hear an actual real perspective, right? Because history will give their perspective. And that's all we're ever taught. But there's always the flip side of, you know, all of those stories. So, um, and those are the, the the perspectives that I, you know, have made it my mission to... <laughs> To, to help people um, hear more of the other side of the coin. When I was actually looking up Kalifia, I did notice that, well, Wikipedia is always the first one that comes up, right? And they say it's fictional because it's based on this novel that you mentioned. But if you look, um, there's a couple other articles that are, I think, Africa-based, But um, and I, there was a couple books mentioned, which I'm like, okay, new books for me to buy so that I can go read those and see what they say. But... A lot of those articles um, were actually giving like facts and examples of why she was actually real. And these this Black community that was out in California, our California, uh, actually existed. First, navigators were actually African, Polynesian, you know, like Austronesian, all of those peoples who are actually, I mean, today we're kind of conditioned to think to divide like these are Samoans and these are Tongans and these are Hawaiians, but and these are, um, you know, New Zealanders and Maori and, and Indians, but they're really all the same people. They have been traveling the seas for like so long and some have settled, you know, in different places. And as we're seeing more DNA type stuff, you know, like more evidence is showing. I mean, if you look at the omeg heads, like you, you mentioned, it's like, look at the features, man. Like, come on, that's black and brown excellence right there, come on. I mean, like, they look like you, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, right.
1: and you know, um, I, I, like so, the way I explain because I do, I have read, you know, the things that make it factual. I think that you are are that explain that it's actually real. I feel like what happens is uh, because we're always taught in school, right? When you're talking about archaeology and history and stuff like that, if you can't, you know, if the valid sources don't agree upon something, then you can't really state it as a fact because you can be discredited. <laughs> so I think about like Ivan Van Sertima. But he was the first one where I saw like an Omec head and they were here before Columbus. Yes, yes. A a lot of people, even though he brought out all this stuff and everything he says sounds perfectly logical, but, you know, a lot of people tried to discredit him, you know, over the years because he was saying the stuff that they didn't want to hear, right? Which is that there are Africans, you know, and they created these great civilizations. It's, It's the same reason why they don't call the pyramid in Mexico and South America, they don't call them pyramids, right? Okay, they call them yeah. temples or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a pyramid. Well, that's a, yeah. I mean, it's got the same shit. It's a pyramid. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a step pyramid. <laughs> like, why are we beating <laughs> around yeah. So I think that for my part, it's like, I don't want to just automatically like say this is super duper factual. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's these widely conflicting, you know, views of, upon Calafia. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm going to tell it just like some people do, where they, you know, make stuff up and you can't tell what's real and what's not. So, right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but it, it, at the very least, you can go look it up and research for yourself to see is, is this really something that, you know, that's real?
0: And I, I love that you brought up the pyramids because, you know, and it's, it's very easy for people who have not traveled. To these actual places. I've not actually seen these things to make these bold statements about whatever. Two pyramids I know and have seen and have touched with my own hands, the pyramids of Saqqara in Egypt Mm -hmm. and the pyramids in um like Itza and um into Central Central America. It's so easy to see the similarities of these cultures, whether or not they were the exact same people. Um it would be extremely hard for them to not be connected in some. And there are so many sources on YouTube that you can go to and, you know, look at these similar, like these history channels and things that I, I can get lost in. But anyway, I would like encourage people to like invest your money. Like don't buy stuff. Buy experiences. Like save your money, go travel, see for yourself so that you can know for own self. as, you know, one way of doing research. And like, just like you, one of our goals, you know, with our stories and stuff is to encourage people to do their own research too. Like, I don't want you to just take my word for it. Yeah. I, I'm my Important goal is to have people to actually get excited, get interested, and, and go do their own research. And let's you know, let's have healthy discussion about it. Let's help build each other's perspectives. On you know, like not everybody's gonna have all the same information. It's yeah.
1: it's, it's just like opening people's eyes. Like um, in the latest issue of Tuskegee Airs, our kids go to Rapa Nui, yes. our Easter Island. You know, so it's like these like the what did I miss are, are of things that people need to. To see because at least we can start changing the narrative right that's the uh, more eye so you know at least people can start having different conversations like it's so crazy because I, I love gi joe and they had an episode and because i had no idea about any of this there was an episode way back in like 84 or whatever where they were at easter island and so you know i bought all the seasons on amazon during quarantine amazon was getting all of <laughs> money uh, so you know i'm watching and i remembered the episode and everything but i i never put two and two together that that's where they were they were at, on easter island you know what i mean i was just bugging out because it's like they were trying to tell me you know they were trying to they were trying to drop little nuggets in there right but we weren't ready for it so i'm trying to do you know similar stuff now the funny thing is you know we had already planned uh issue four out we were almost done with it at that time and when i saw it i was just like like laughing because it's like, it's funny how that could have had, like, uh, like I could have subconsciously soaked that up. You know what I mean? The story, like, it, the issue it's like totally different. It has nothing to do with what they did, but it's just funny that these, this show that I was so drawn to was doing this kind of stuff that I'm doing now. And I wasn't even processing it in that way. Right.
0: Yeah. That's to me, that's like John and I always say, like, that's the ancestors, like, talking through you. You know, it's, those are not really coincidences, you know, because I, I have those same kind of epiphanies too sometimes when i write like hmm i wonder why i was thinking about that because i see it here and i see it here it's like it's not just you you know there's other forces that work at this that's the way i like to think about it so and i um, and i gotta
1: because you said the ancestors so one of the craziest things recently happened um i'm talking to my aunt and you know she starts talking to me about how they found out that uh my great great grandmother on my father's side, owned a lot of property in Oklahoma. So it's like her and her husband, you know, my family's from Missouri. All I've known is Missouri. But yeah, they own this property in Oklahoma and they left Oklahoma like in the 1920s. I wonder why. And so now, you know, they're actually going through the legal process to see if, you know, if, if the stuff was ever sold. But it was just so amazing because I've only been to Oklahoma one time and that was we were traveling and my mom took a wrong turn and I was asleep and I woke up and I was like, these signs don't look like Arkansas signs, ma. And she was like, I don't know what happened. I was like, I think you're in Oklahoma. But it's like, I'd only been there one time, but why I felt, you know, like this really deep connection to it. And then I'm finding out this new information, like I'm sitting here like, I was telling uh, one of my friends, I'm not even, like, the property and all that stuff, that's cool, whatever, but I'm more excited to figure out the story now. So it's like, I I need, I want the information so I can try to figure out what happened.
0: Yeah, putting the puzzle pieces together, that's that's kind of how I approach things too. Like, oh, you know, just studying history and studying my own history and which often lead me to the histories of other Indigenous peoples and then back, you know, back into my history and see all the different connections. Yeah. А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова I wasn't really driven up like about it back then, but as I've gotten older, you know, it's like I've always felt kind of like how like you you captured it a bit in Sadika, how like she feels like the pull of the ancestors. Like there's just something like ingrained in you where you have like a warrior spirit in there, and I've always had that as a, as I've been, you know since I've been young. But like as I've been researching our family genealogy and things like that, actually go if you go back into the generations, actually stems back into chiefs. Like a lot of people. Don't don't understand that hawaii is actually a kingdom and it, we had a monarchy and chiefs and kings and you know on in each island had their own rulers and some islands had multiple just because of like the size of, of the land and everything so when you can like identify those connections it is so powerful like and i, I think you you might have mentioned this in the comic book but where it's understanding that that same brilliance and power is like in your blood too like, that just to me that just totally changes your worldview, really, and that's why we have never been taught it, because if we understood our origin and yeah. where we came from, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. there,
1: there's a reason why, you know, they typically start us off at the slavery point. There was a fellow I met who did this review, you know, on the book, The Search for Sadica, and um, him and I had a couple of other people that mentioned some things that were intentional on my part, but um, where they said, usually when you show people in the 1920s, you know don't show them looking the way that we showed them in this hurt for sodica like right? so miss helen the um you know the principal lady was actually based off of my great aunt you know the way she's dressed and the you know her hair is nice and I didn't show them looking poor and all that kind of stuff like th- those things are intentional because they are true yeah you know what I mean like like that's one of the biggest parts like people don't understand that when we were put in situations where we had to create our own just like the, uh I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan the negro leagues the baseball leagues it's like no they were sharp they wasn't they weren't like below standard or anything like that even though we had less you know resources we still thrived in education like it's not what you've always been taught like they pick and choose the story so um that was huge for me because i'm one of those oh no not another slave movie not another right. you know let's not uh focus and even with this story i didn't want to dig too deep because i don't want to focus on trauma you know Mm. like our collective trauma i wanted to focus on you know there's a building that's going to be happening you're going to watch this young lady turn from a know-it-all 13 year old to a a hero and so that you know all of that was intentional and and i think we have to do that with the platform that we have no matter how big or small you know we have to be intentional with how we show these images we get a chance to center our people in our works right I was making a joke with my friends. There's a new uh, Jurassic Park 3D animated series on Netflix and when, you know, the first thing you see you see a black kid on the, on that initial poster or whatever and I was like uh oh, I'm checking this out, which I've already been burned so many times, but without spoiling it, because I do like it, I'm on like the fifth uh, episode, but without spoiling it, it you know basically a black kid gets, you know, wins a chance to go to, you know, Jurassic Island or whatever they're calling it now and he gets there and he's like the only black, black person, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And so he, he's even though he's the main character, he's not centered. It's like blackness is not centered. You know, we see it over and over. So we get a chance to do that differently. So why would we keep telling, you know, like keep relying on the same tropes and, you know, the same imagery that focuses on our pain and trauma?
0: Yeah, showing our people in a positive light and highlighting our resiliency and our ability to be successful despite so many obstacles in our way. That's just super empowering and, you know, like, As a young person, even more so why Sadika, especially her being like 13-ish, is like when they went through some pretty uh, crazy stuff too. We had a uh, category four or five hurricane like pass over our island and it destroyed it, right? Like destroyed it. We didn't have electricity for months. And so, you know, we had um, like FEMA and National Guard come in and, you know, I remember eating MREs and sleeping on cots and all these things. Our house wasn't affected too much, but just like the community and like what everyone was going through and, you know, just everybody pulling together to make sure that, you know, we survived and people may not have had a lot, but everybody took care of each other and how I never knew how those experiences would later help me, you know, in as I became an adult and you know when all these other types of different world challenges come to you personally and while everybody else you know most other people would be freaking out and stressed out about it it's like like okay we like i i made it through that that storm right like it's like okay well there's very few things you know other few things that would probably rock me kind of the same way and to have it at such a pivotal point in terms of you know becoming a woman and and all of those things just it's just powerful and and for us to be able to inspire the next generation you know of young people coming up young minds and helping them to understand their their greatness and their power earlier so that they can then, you know, leapfrog even us like and accomplish, you know, these greater things even before we have. To me it's like that's the real goal. Like being successful as a creator is, is obviously important. We all have bills to pay, but for me and I think I I could probably say for for people like you and other independent creators, the larger more important goal is, you know, being that beacon for those who could be feeling you know like like they're not represented their voices are not being heard mainstream ignores them you know and like like you mentioned even if it's just my little podcast over here you know like whatever each one of us can do the collective will definitely you know be something for our kids to pull on and you just never know like how it's gonna impact somebody like those stories to me like you know when people come up to you at a con and they tell you like a personal experience like you really helped me in a difficult time you know and those kinds of things like that's like <gasps> You made my day. Even if I don't sell nothing else today, like, thank you, you know? <laughs> and I
1: think um, what, what you said was beautiful, you know, about making it through the storm. So one of the things that drives me insane is, you know, when people say we are not our ancestors and blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, it's like you've looked down, you know, like disrespectful at the people who, if they wouldn't have done what they wouldn't would have done, you wouldn't be here. Right. Um, I think that back in my time, you know, we were taught, well, I, I can't say everybody, but you know, I I learned good things about my people. My grandmother used to tell me good things. She left out the fact that she got arrested for a sit-in, but I think that's because she knows I probably would have got arrested for something simple. (laughs) You know, she taught me a lot of really good things about my people. So there is, in a sense, you know, you can get some pride, right? Um, So it goes back to that thing, like, if you're teaching me that my people were slaves, that my people were subjugated, it's hard to have pride in that but that's not the only case you know you can go right down to Auburn Avenue in Atlanta and you can see that they had like a district where it was all black and mm-hmm. it was rolling and, and it's still sitting like you can go visit the house that Martin Luther King grew up in and it wasn't like a little shack <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's like we were thriving in certain areas just in spite of everything I mean despite everything that being held against us and I, so I think stories like these if people can see you know that resiliency like you said you can start to look at your people a little bit different and understand that they every time they got thrown into a mud hole they climbed their way out and they kept going and they kept going and when you really see when you really truly see the lengths that uh white supremacy went to went went to to keep our people subjugated you can understand your fight they were fighting a losing battle but They still were fighting. And if we had the kind of fight that they had, things would be a lot different.
0: I mean, we're still fighting, right? Because those those obstacles haven't really gone anywhere. They're just hidden a little better now, right? It's not as in your face, except for right now. You know, it's kind of great (laughs) for you now. I want to know where you stand. But yeah, we won't go too far down that hole because that that could be a whole other podcast. (laughs) Yeah. One more question that we had from Alika Na'ihe who um, sent the question in about the stories that you wrote, what was your favorite and what did writing like the process of creation, what did it teach yourself about you? Um,
1: So it's weird, man. Cause like, I don't, I don't think I'm able to have favorites. They're kind of like kids. You have more than one kid. You love them and you love them differently. So I love Tuskegee Airs. It, it's the one that, you know, exploded and it's still explosive and all that cool stuff. I love Tuskegee Airs and I love collaborating with Marcus on it. Uh, Marcus and I, we've been doing stories and uh, you know coming up with stuff for 20 years. So Tuskegee Airs was kind of like our thing where we knew we could do, we knew what we could do, but we still had to show it. I love Sodica because it was my chance. So with Marcus doing the art for Tuskegee Airs, I don't really have to do much directing there, whereas Sadika, I had to learn more of a formal process of how to send a script, you know. So I send a script to Illustrator, which is different than me and Marcus sitting there, and Marcus kind of saying, Okay, right here, like I say, this needs to go in this panel and then just let him go crazy. Uh right. you know, so uh <laughs> it was different. Um and then Sadika was also like it takes a long time to get these things done. Um, and so it was cool from the standpoint that I love the story. I-, I know where it's going, even though no, no matter who reads, whatever is out right now, they still don't understand what it's going to turn into. So I'm excited about that. Truthfully, my children's books, everything. I'm also working on a project with Jason Reeves right now, uh, Beautiful's Barbecue. Yeah. I'm loving that. I got a couple <laughs> other projects that I can't, I'm not allowed to say real quick. So <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of words to say that I love them all and I love them differently. Like working with Jason has been great. It's fun. Like we're cracking up laughing half the time we're working. So all of them, I love them all. Just like I love all my kids.
0: <laughs> yes. All for different reasons and their unique characteristics. It's so true. All right, well, we're coming up on the end of the hours. Again, right now, we talked about Search, of, search for Sadika today. Check it out on Kickstarter. Go to Kickstarter and search. Search for Sadika. <laughs> um, I will post the link again in the comments for those to check out. I hope you guys enjoy the story as much as I do. I hope you guys enjoyed learning more about Greg as the writer and understanding where he comes from and his perspective and what inspires him to create. Uh, so, Greg, for folks who are watching, where's the best place for them to follow you online? The way that
1: uh, these algorithms work these days. <laughs> like,
0: um, I don't know. Instagram,
1: probably, um, which is Greg underscore Burnham. I'm saying that seven. Uh, yeah. So you can follow me there. I'm just Greg Burnham on Facebook. I am. Uh, I have Greg Burnham book, which is dumb when I created the name, but uh, on Twitter. And I've been yelled at and told that I have to start doing more things on Twitter. So if you want to give me a follow on there, that would be wonderful because I'm going to actually start posting on there because you only have to yell at me like 20 times before I figure out that it's probably important.
0: Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Greg, for coming on the Moana Nui podcast. It was a pleasure. This has actually been one of my favorite interviews, obviously for different reasons. I love all my interviews, but we got to delve into the historical aspect of our podcast and I got to take some notes so I can go down more rabbit holes on Learning more about history, so we'll probably have a follow-on episode where we delve into some of those things and hopefully help you guys learn a little bit more about other lost tales and ancient heirs.
1: So, Ooh, one more thing: Have you ever been to the Cahokia Mountains in St. Louis? No, I have
0: not. What is it called, Cahokia?
1: Cahokia, C-A-H-O-K-I-A. So, I'm from Missouri. I lived there, and my family's from there. And I never heard about these until I was like 37 or something. And so I went. It said it's actually. Out Outside of st louis on the illinois side they're dirt mounds they're huge they're awesome check it out
0: i will definitely check that out yes <laughs> i love me the mountains Man- they're man-made oh, they're, cool. they're awesome. yeah that's what's up all right y'all well thank you again for joining us for another episode of the moana Nui podcast we hope you guys are safe and healthy stay cool Stay safe, stay warm, because it is getting pretty cool out there. This island girl is uh, not quite ready. Let's do this. <laughs> but again, mahalo nui. Thank you again, everybody. And until next time, Aloha, malama pono. Take care. Hey.